Hello and welcome to episode number 31 of News of the Nerd, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books and anything else remotely nerdy. And today we will be talking about the season finale of Loki season two. I am Ben and I'm here with my brother slash co-host Jason Derulo. I am, I'm, I've told you before I'm a variant of Jason Derulo. <laughs> I'm Jason the podcaster. <laughs> do you know what it's i don't even mean to say it it's just i try and say your name in a different way but anytime i go jason derulo like i just naturally just do it but you don't have to sing my name that's the issue <laughs> yeah but it just sounds boring when i say it doesn't it it's just boring name thanks <laughs> <laughs> it's better than ben let's be honest <laughs> anyway how are you I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, good. Had a a nice marvelly weekend. Yes, it's very very marvelly weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, the Loki series finale, and we saw the Marvels this weekend, which we'll we'll talk about on our next podcast. I mean, is it a spoiler to say that it's it's good? <laughs> is it a spoiler for our podcast to say I enjoyed it? I mean, it'll get us cancelled at this rate. It's crazy. The I don't know, the amount of hate it seems to be getting from people who haven't seen it. If you just look in comment sections, there's lots of people saying how crap it is that have clearly not seen it. And then lots of people saying, no, I saw it and it was really fun. And that's the experience I had. It was it was one of the most fun films that I've seen at the cinema in a long time. We were just laughing the whole time. It's just the Brie Larson hate, and I don't get how you can hate her because she's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Have you watched Lessons in Chemistry? That's on Apple TV, I believe. Mm, probably not, though. Yeah, a great new series uh, with Brie Larson. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're a Brie Larson fan, I would highly recommend Lessons in Chemistry. But, yeah, thanks. I'm good, too. But, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> Full of cold, but we soldier on. Just infect everyone listening to this podcast. How viruses work, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, cool. It's, it's transmitted through audio waves. When viruses are transmitted through audio waves, we're fucked. So, yeah, today we are obviously talking about Loki, the season finale. Yeah, the, the series finale. Well, the sh- maybe the show finale. Yeah, that's what I mean. The series finale, not just the season. Oh, the series, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the showrunners have said they have no plans for a series three at the minute. All can change, it always can, but obviously we'll get into it more, but I'd kind of be disappointed if they made another series, season. Yeah, no, I think you're on the money there. But yeah, no spoilers for that yet, but we will get into them a bit later on. Yeah, so shall we get into some news? Let's get into some news. No no super depresso news this week, I don't think. I'm yeah, hoping. no. Well, that's because we don't talk about politics on this podcast. <laughs> I've actually got quite a bit of news. Okay, let's try and run through it. Let's speed run it. Go, yeah. first bit. Okay, so first bit. I'm going to start random ones. Okay, so actually we'll start with the biggest. Okay. So the SAG-AFRA strike is now over. Yes, no, I agree. Actors that is can the return to work. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman can return to the quarry. <laughs> I love it. So, just for everyone at home, when I saw the news, obviously we get alerts when the news comes out. So the second this was announced, 
I sent him a text saying that the strike is over. And the reply was, to the quarry! And it was just a brilliant moment. Thank you. I aim to please. <laughs> I, I appreciated it. You didn't reply. I died of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Sagafra uh, released the post saying, the just generic, this morning the negotiators formally responded to the MPTP's last, best and final offer. Please know every member of the, our TV theatrical negotiating committee needs determined to secure the right deal and hereby bring the strike to an end responsibly. There are several essential items which we still do not have an agreement, including AI will keep you informed as events unfold in solidarity and gratitude. So that was the morning. Yep. Um, and then they further shared... In a contract valued at over $1 billion, we have achieved a deal of extraordinary scope that includes above-pattern minimum compensation increases, unprecedented provisions for consent and compensation that will protect members from the threat of AI, and for the first time establishes a streaming participation bonus. Our pension and health caps have been substantially raised, which will bring much-needed value to our plans. In addition, the deal includes numerous improvements for multiple categories, including outsized compensation increases for background performers and critical contract provisions protecting diverse communities. Okay. The bit about background performers is, I think, a really a really big one to know because we've talked before, a lot of the Discord... You know, if you look at any of the comment sections, which is generally a mistake to do online anyway, but if you look at the comment sections, quite often people are saying, oh, these rich actors just want more money. And I'm like, no, like, th this isn't for this isn't for the A-list, the background performers. There are background performers who make a living from being background performers need to be fairly compensated for their work, not just the headline stars. Yeah. Um, I think obviously one of the biggest things, and I think the the thing that held up these negotiations for so long was the AI stuff. Yeah. So Justine Bateman, who is part of the committee in SAGAFRA, yeah. released this just to clarification on some of the language. And in terms of the AI portion, said if a digital double is made of you during a film, they must get your consent and inform you of their intentions for its use, except when the photography or soundtrack remains substantially as scripted, performed, and or recorded. So to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that sounds like, say, in a Marvel film. Yeah. Um, Iron Man 1, Nick Fury, end credit scene recorded, obviously, approaching Iron Man. They can use that scene again as long as it is pretty much the exact same photography, sound, scripts. I don't know. I, I would assume that meant they can use a digital double like for editing purposes within that film. I wouldn't assume that means that they can use it again and again and again in multiple films. I, I'm, I might be wrong there, but that's kind of what that, it sounds like to me, that they, that they, they can use it to maybe tweak shots rather than create a digital double of you and then just use you in perpetuity the way i read it is that they, as long as the digital double they use has the same script performance they can reuse that they can't use your likeness to make anything new yeah is essentially the way i read that 
Yeah, no, that's, that sounds about right. A few more additions to the contract. A 7% raise in most minimums, which is massive. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Really good. New 40 million participation bonus for workers who work on streaming shows that reach a certain benchmark of success. They haven't said what that benchmark is. I'd imagine it will be similar to the one that was negotiated for the writers. Yeah. More than 1 billion in new wages and benefit plan fundraising and guardrails against the use of artificial intelligence. Uh, and the vote passed on a 96%. Oh, well, uh, 86, good. sorry. 86, sorry. Okay, so... Bad. So there were some people that didn't want to accept it, but... That's always going to be the case. Yeah, majority. And the amount of people that are in Sagafra, 86 is a massive amount of people. Yeah, and it was it was uh, probably a big part of this was, you know, they, just, they need to get people back working now. Especially you know, before the new year. Otherwise, you're fast approaching the time where negotiations aren't going to be happening because we're in the, the festive season and everything would be shut down until the new year anyway. So I feel like if this didn't get agreed now, it was just going to keep going on into the new year, which I guess nobody wanted on either side. Yeah. But yeah, fantastic news. I'm glad that they've managed to negotiate a deal that... that most people seem happy with and i'm glad that that the things that we enjoy watching can start to be made again um it has had some so like as we knew it would the strike has had some ramifications on release dates so it's no surprise to anyone so Um, they did put out like a little infograph just because i know the ai stuff is the bigger one this cat this four Categories of how they use the AI, there's employment-based digital replica, independently created digital replica, generative artificial intelligence, and then digital replication of background actors. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to, the guideline, they've released the guidelines from the the agreement. Yeah. So for the employment-based digital and the independently created digital, the guidelines are... Uh, clear and conspicuous consent must be obtained to digitally alter the performer's performance in previously recorded material unless it remains substantially scripted, performed, and or recorded. So it is yeah, using Nick Fury from Iron Man 1, that same scene in another film, they can do that um, okay. as long as they've got consent. Yeah, and I think consent is the big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because I think what the studios were pushing for originally was no if you're in our film then we own your likeness and can do what we want with it yeah and it reminded me of that episode of black mirror there are lots of episodes of black mirror <laughs> so it's it's an episode where when you sign up to the streaming platform oh, yeah the Selma Hayek one yes, yes. Uh, everybody hates someone yeah. something it reminded me of that yeah so also producers will provide a reasonably specific description of the intended alterations. If lip or facial movements are altered to make it look like a background actor is speaking and dialogue is added, they will be upgraded to a day performer. Okay. Which so is quite good. Basically, if you don't know, background actors are paid more if they have lines than if they don't. So I guess this means yeah. you, you can't just record them and then add the lines in and not pay them for it. Yeah. So for the generative artificial intelligence, 
the guidelines on that uh, producers must notify the union if they uh, create synthetic performers and bargain over whether compensation or any other consideration is appropriate. There'll be regular meetings to discuss considerations for using any of video and audio recordings made under these agreements to train AI systems. Regular meetings will cover current and future use of AI in projects and to make sure that the AI does not create or reinforce any unfair bias. And producers acknowledge importance of human performance and the risk of job replacement when utilizing GAI. Yeah. And then for the digital replication of background actors, this is quite good. So the guidelines are replicas must not be used to meet the background counts for the day. Okay. Which is something that has been used quite a lot. And replicas must not be used to avoid the engagement of background actors. So it, it seems like the whole agreement has done quite a lot for the many rather than the few. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's protecting jobs, isn't it? It's stopping stopping them from just being able to to use AI versions of people rather than actually hiring people, which is a concern with AI. Yeah, because we know, obviously, they're all the keyboard warriors that are going, well, all these actors get paid too much. Why are they striking? And we was all like, it's not about them. It's about the background characters that get £300 for the whole production. Yeah. That sort of thing. And it's it seems like it's going to benefit them massively, especially with uh, all the AI changes and things like that. Yeah. And the other thing that, that both of these contract negotiations have done, both the actors and the writers is address the changing landscape in terms of streaming. Yeah. Because because the previous that was the second bigger one, weren't it? Yeah. The the, the previous contracts uh basically classed streaming as new media because when when they were negotiated, streaming was new and it was like, okay, we don't really know how this is going to work yet. Now streaming is at the forefront. Well, yeah, yeah, it, like it's the main way that most people watch TV. I would say. Yeah, definitely. It, I, I don't there's there's no doubt that it is the main way it's definitely the main way our generation watches tv i think there's still like the older generation probably still watch like broadcast tv uh a lot but i very rarely do the older generations yeah are much less likely to watch streaming but the past couple of generations streaming is kind of the main thought well i think us like we're millennials I think millennials and Gen X are probably much more likely to stream. Um, the the like baby boomer generation, I think it it does. It is, it is in baby boomer generation. It is still I, the I main think, thing. I, I think they are much more likely to watch from just people I know. Much more likely to watch live TV than than what I am. Yeah, I think they're much more inclined to, but it's still they have to have the streaming available. Whereas the generation before that street, like take it or leave it sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously that is, that's a generalization and there will be exceptions to all of those. And I like, that's not, I've not looked up any stats for what I'm saying. So I could be talking out my ass, <laughs> That that is just my experience. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. And I like, Obviously, we're talking about how they're going to work with streaming because it was like, if a show becomes big, the previous agreement just meant it didn't change anything because yeah. we know there are some, especially some Netflix shows that have become massive. Yeah, yeah, like there's huge, great, like things like 
Stranger um, Things. Um, things like Stranger Things. Uh, things like uh, the the Tiger King. Like particularly that was like a phenomenon. Uh, what's the Squid Games was a phenomenon. There are things like that where th- things like that that just become these like cultural crazes that if they were on broadcast TV would have made the people in them like very very wealthy. Whereas when it's on streaming previously that it wouldn't have really changed anything um but yeah now now that should change people should be be compensated for when when these huge cultural moments happen the people behind them will be much more fairly compensated for them yeah and so on to my next piece of news which i wanted to do sagafra because this kind of intertwines with it so obviously movie and tv productions are going to start heading back yes. to work. It does take a little bit of time, I think, to organise all that after such a long stop. Obviously, people go back to... Because obviously not everyone in Hollywood is from Hollywood. Do you know what I mean? People have got to travel back and get back into work and things like that. So as far as we know, in terms of movies, Glad Deadpool 3, Gladiator 2, Beetlejuice 2 and Venom 3 have already started straight away like they were straight out the gate as soon as it were announced yeah well i mean these are things that were like they were mid-filming and the filming was interrupted by the strike so they will have yeah they will have been raring to get back to where they like pick back up where they left off and then in tv show land the first shows that are returning to set uh stranger things uh the penguin welcome to Derry, and the boys and eric kripke who just makes me think of Big Bang Theory. Yeah, he's the showrunner on The Boys, isn't he? He is. Poster actually gave an update and said, editing, done. VFX, halfway done. Music and sound, quarter done. Now that the SAG strike is over, in brackets, yay. The the actors can record additional dialogue. No air date yet, but will be worth the wait. It could be our best season, for sure, our craziest. Yeah, yeah, no, I haven't. So I was listening to an interview with the showrunner on Gen V. Have you watched Gen V yet? I've not started it yet. No, I've, I've heard, I've heard good things so far. Yeah, well, I wasn't the first few episodes. I wasn't sure, but then when it really got into its stride, yeah, brilliant. It is up there with the boys. Um, but I was listening to an interview with uh, the showrunner on that, and she basically said, like, series two of Gen V is going to take place after the next series of the boys. So she was said, you know, like writing the next series, they've got to take into account what happens in The Boys. And she said, obviously, I know what's going to happen in The Boys. I'm not going to spoil it, but it is insane. <laughs> it's it is it's kind of one of them shows that pushes the limits of yeah. the superhero genre. It does, it does. It it is it is really well done how it can seem like one of those things that just does things for shock value. It's a very sweary, very bloody TV show. But all the powers and, and things in there, it's a lot like um it's a lot like how Buffy was always a metaphor for like the, the teenage experience. Everything is always a metaphor. And it's the same in Gen V, like all the powers are metaphors for things that, that people go through at that time in your life. Uh yeah, so I can't wait for the next series of the boys to come out. As I said before, there's been some pushbacks because filming has been held up. The the first pushbacks that were announced, I think, were from Marvel. 
they announced pretty much straight away, like the next day or something, the new release dates for yeah. their films. What is interesting is that next year, 2024, there is only going to be one MCU movie, and that is Deadpool 3, which I think, you know, we wait and see how that does because how much money Deadpool 3 makes could really decide the future of the MCU. Yeah. After a, after a, a series of, I don't want to say flops, but like underperformances, it that they they are going to be watching very closely what works and what doesn't and how they can get their audience back. And I said on the last episode, like Deadpool is a film that the first two did very well on relatively low budgets. And uh, yeah, I, w- I will be very curious to see how Deadpool 3 does. So that is slated now for July 26 uh, of next year. Yeah, so do you know, actually... It's quite interesting about that, though. Do you know this running joke we've got about all the movies set in the quarry? Yeah. The sag strike stopped, and they've only pushed it two months. Yeah, yeah, no, that is... So, is ma- the majority of this film actually in this quarry? I think they'd filmed a decent chunk, and then, like, while they've not been filming, they will have been working on the post-production for the bits that they've already filmed, and they will have, like started trying to drop them into the timeline in like in the editing process. So I, I guess that you know they're not as far behind as they've only got what they've filmed because other bits will have been continued to uh, be worked on. Um so we've then got Captain America Brave New World has been pushed back from July next year to February uh twenty twenty five. Valentine's Day. So if you hate your girlfriend yes. <laughs> Uh, the first Deadpool film was released on Valentine's Day. Yeah, but that was good. To me and my now wife, at the time girlfriend, went to see that on Valentine's Day. That was our Valentine's date. And that's how you know you found the right person. <laughs> yeah, but that was good. And I just don't have high hopes for Captain America Brave New World. At the minute, do you know, after Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I just... Yeah, yeah. And it's not Anthony Mackie. It's not... Uh, it, it's not that that Captain America that I, that I think didn't work, but the show itself didn't work, and they've got the same people working on it. Yeah, as I understand it. But I think it's also it was weird about that show because the relationship between Wilderness a Soldier and the Falcon. At times, I was there for it, and then at other times, I was just like, "This is weird." <laughs> I think I think that's the aspect of the show that I liked was them. Bonding, but you know, historically through the other films, have never really got on. But them bonding over the loss of a mutual friend is something that I liked. Uh, Thunderbolts then has been moved from December 2024 to July 2025, and Blade, which seems to have been fraught with problems from the start, they've had multiple different people writing scripts for it. They don't seem to be able to to nail down exactly what they want to do with Blade. But that's been moved from February 2025 all the way back to November 2025. So with that, I do actually know that they have completely scrapped everything. That's for rumour. They are starting from the ground up. 
That's the rumor, yeah, and especially if variety that variety article is to be believed that we talked about last week. Although we did talk about some of the dispute around that as well. Yeah, but yeah, I actually think I think it's good that there's only one MCU film next year and two shows. Well, the, yeah, Echo and Agatha. Echo Echo is in January, so we discussed the trailer for that last week. Agatha Fall 2024. There's also a couple of animated shows, but I, they're not MCU shows. They are multiversal Marvel shows. Yeah. So X-Men 97 is coming out early 2024, and Spider-Man Freshman Year is coming out at some point next year, apparently. What If Series 2, still waiting for that. That's happening at some point late this year, apparently. That's just It's just going to drop, and we're going to... Go off the grid for a bit. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed though. Since so, Sagafra that was so the the announcement. No, it, that, it was it was it was on the ninth. Was it on the ninth? Yeah. So the the announcement said, as of twelve o one a.m. Uh, PT. That's Pacific time, isn't it? Yeah. On November the ninth, our strike is officially suspended, and all picket locations are closed. So yeah, so it'd be in the tenth for us. No, oh AM. Sorry, AM. Yeah. So yeah, so that was on the ninth. Have you noticed how many trailers have released? Yeah, a lot. Because it's not just the acting that can now resume; it's the the, uh, the publicity, marketing. the marketing, the the interviews. Like we're, we're going to start getting actors talking about their films on talk shows again. I, I want to see Iman Vellani. Being, being interviewed on talk shows because she's just uh, such an enthusiastic person. I know she she is Miss Marvel like that. She's not acting. Yeah, she's just, she's just excitable. Have you seen the Damsel trailer? No, for Netflix. It, so it's Millie Bobby Brown's new show. Oh yeah, no, I have seen that. Yeah, it looks very good. Yeah, the trailer makes it look really really good but there's just so many trailers that have come out the garfield trailer the abyss reacher there's just they've all just put it out yeah millie bobby brown is one of those uh actors that like i'm looking forward to seeing what she does yeah after stranger things as much as i enjoy stranger things i'm kind i'm ready for it to end it's it's that next generation of actors though that yeah. we were talking about a few weeks ago yeah. Uh, so, um, I said we were going to speedrun this news. Is that... <laughs> that went down the shitter. So, go on, what have you got next? Um, so, Netflix has unveiled the trailer for Dead Boy Detectives. Yes, Dead Boy Detectives, set in the Sandman universe. It looks really good. It's And it's created... Is it set in the same universe, do we know? I know yeah. it's by the creator because obviously it's Neil Gaiman and Matt Va- Wagner, Wagner, no, no, Wagner, however you want to say his name. So they they were first introduced in the Sandman issue twenty five. Oh yeah, in the comics. Yeah. Um, is it the same uh, cinematic? I, I believe so. So if you look on YouTube underneath the trailer in the description, it does say set in the Sandman universe. Okay. Well, I think it looks really good. I like the fact it's obviously set in England. It's It seems very British with, I don't know how many viewers, listeners, viewers, people with ears. 
that we've got in America or outside of the UK? Probably very few. <laughs> Probably. I know there's but, some that pop up in like France and Belgium. Yeah, yeah. So on the on the map, it does always it does always show a few in other countries. But yeah, our main our main audience is British. And anyone that's been to America will know this. They do not get British banter. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. And this trailer gives me that feel of British banter. Yeah. And I, I'm here for that. I, I generally I am on board with anything that Neil Gaiman has had anything to do with, to be honest. Like anything Neil Gaiman has touched, I want it. He is one one of my favorite writers. I loved the American Gods TV series. I know that I, not everyone did. Uh, Good Omens, obviously, is is fantastic. They are uh, great shows. I think you know most people agree with me on that one. Um. The the first series of Sandman was brilliant. I still need to watch it, and I have said I am going to watch it. Like yeah. I'm going to start that tonight. Coraline was Neil Gaiman. Fantastic! It's a brilliant film. It's terrifying, but uh, Doctor Who, the Doctor's wife, which is the one where the TARDIS becomes personified, is one of my favourite episodes of Doctor Who ever. The dialogue, yeah, the dialogue is great. Like just. The opportunity for the TARDIS to be able to talk back to the Doctor is like, I can't believe it hadn't been done sooner. Slight interjection. I am currently muting my Alexa because it has just suggested Stranger Things and Squid Games. So I am turning it off because it is clearly listening. <laughs> I uh, I had a notification from uh, Alexa. In fact, it must have just been a notification from Amazon on my phone the other day that said, hi, we thought you'd like a new laptop. Like, great, yeah, very kind of you. <laughs> Is it free? <laughs> yeah, you going to pay for it? No, I didn't think so. So, I have two small bits and well, two bits of news left. Okay. From me. One is that the Marvels has took the top spot at the box office. Yeah. However, it is the lowest opening ever for a Marvel Studios film, which is crazy. It is, yeah. When I mean, you put it next to Ant Man, <laughs> when you like, it's not just Ant Man. I, like, I, I don't want to talk about the Marvels too much because obviously that's our no, next episode, and I, I, I don't want to give away all my thoughts on it. So, but without getting into specifics, yeah, it's better than Ant Man. It's better than Love and Thunder. It's not hard to be better than those two films. It's better than Multiverse of Madness, probably, which I yes. did like. I think it's more enjoyable than Eternals, which, again, I did like. Like, it is not a bad film, and it is not it is, it is not the worst thing that Marvel have done. It, it does not deserve to be, to be tracking behind things like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I preferred the Marvels. There is a lot of Marvel films that it is better than. To a lot of people, me saying it's better than the Eternals, you think, well, that that doesn't take a lot. But I like the Eternals. Yeah, like, that that is a compliment from me. I mean, it's better than Spider Man: Far From Home. Yes, I would say. Yeah, and Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. I would rather watch the Marvels. Yep, hundred percent. I'm trying to think what what would I put it on a par with, which is difficult because it is very different to things that Marvel have done before. Controversial opinion. Yeah. I'd put it on par with Ragnarok. I think Ragnarok's slightly better, um, but I, I see, I see, yeah, I can see why you put it around there. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, let, let's move off that yeah. before we get too, uh, too in-depth on the Marvels. You got any other? Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of gaming news. Oh, go on. So, I mean, we, we talked about this last... Talk sweet nothings to me. We talked about this last year in our gaming spectacular. We, we, we talked about how some footage of Grand Theft Auto 6 had been leaked. Uh, but for the first time now, Rockstar has officially announced Grand Theft Auto 6, and they have also announced that a trailer will be coming next month. So yes. not not a lot to talk about there at the minute, but we do know that a trailer is coming in December. The last part point. of that trailer will say GTA 6 coming in 2092. <laughs> but I mean, it has been 10 years since GTA 5 first released. That was 2013. On the PlayStation 3. GTA 5 is still selling at full price. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how well GTA 5 still sells. And I loved that game. I, you know what I really loved about GTA 5 was just how interactive everything was. Like, if you, if you walked into a bar and there was a dartboard, you could play darts. If you walked past um, a, a tennis court, you could just stop and play tennis. If you went to a golf course, you could just stop and play golf. And that they kind of felt like really well thought out little games in themselves. Like they felt like more than just mini games. Yeah. And like, I think what people want from GTA is to be able to do what you want. Yeah. I I really love GTA 5, uh, story mode specifically. But then the GTA Online was obviously a, a huge achievement as well, especially when that first started out. I, kind of got fed up with it when they started introducing ridiculous things like flying bikes and people were just griefing flying around on ridiculous bikes that could shoot rockets at you and like you couldn't do anything on the game anymore and that's when i tapped out of it but the story mode for gta 5 i still think of very fondly the online i don't really touch anymore the whole heist aspects was never done before the heist is fantastic. I hope that's something they bring back. Yeah. Um, but from the leak, uh, we do know that it's going to feature at least two protagonists, uh, two characters called Jason and Lucia, and it looks like they're going to have like a Bonnie and Clyde type thing going off there. So yeah, it looks like you're going to have to do a lot of missions as both of them. I think they were always the best missions in GTA Five, were the ones where you had to. You had to do different bits as different characters, and you had to work together with yourself. Yeah, uh, and then the heists online, where where you had to work together with other people. And you know, if somebody didn't get the plane to the runway when you're doing a prison break, then it doesn't matter if you get the guy out of prison because you can't you can't get him away. So I hate that mission. That that was my favorite. That 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 just having to work together, uh, having to achieve all these different aspects of the heist at once, uh, I really liked, and it was it was so intricate and so well woven together. These different different parts of the, the same mission. We're really looking forward to what they do with Grand Theft Auto Six. Yeah, and obviously the map came out leaked, got leaked. I think um, a couple of months ago, anyway, and that looks about four times as big as GTA Five's map. Oh, I don't. I didn't see that. I do know that it's going to be in Vice City, but you can visit Los Santos, Liberty City, as well. It's essentially rather than because obviously Los Santos is set in San Andreas. Yeah, 
instead of being there, you are going to be able, it is the state of San Andreas yeah. that you are now in. So yeah, yeah. We'll, know, we'll know more about that next month. But staying on a gaming theme, Nintendo have officially announced the live action movie of The Legend of Zelda, which will not feature Zelda at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will, but I, I was going to say I'd imagine not as a main character, but that might not be true. Like, it, it, it could be a team-up kind of movie between Link and Zelda. Uh, but we'll see. We don't really know anything more about that yet. I am cautious on that one. I, th- I think you always are with video game movies. Yeah, and it feels like it could it could go really poorly. I'll say one of the main reasons I'm cautious is because uh, the writer Derek Connolly is is most famous for being the writer of the Jurassic World trilogy. Okay, um, and then well, Wes- scrap that show then. Wes Ball. Who is the director? Do you know what? I really thought you were about to say Wes Anderson. <laughs> Wes Ball is the director. He directed the Maze Runner trilogy, which I thought was okay. Yeah. The first one's good. The second and third yeah. are okay. He's also directed Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. So I guess we wait and see how that turns out before making uh, any judgments there. Yeah. Do you have any casting hopes for for Link? I've seen some people online saying Tom Holland, but I think that's a really boring choice. Yeah. I feel like there's no imagination in that. And I don't think Tom Holland is androgynous enough to play Link. I think you'd be better with someone like Timothy Charlemagne. Do you know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do? I want I want you to play the little theme tune at this point. Chatting with the robot overlord. Been a while since we've chatted with the robot overlord. I know, it has been a while. To be a fair and just overlord, letting us have our own lives. Okay, so who should play Link? Okay. Okay, so it has come up with one that I so it's given me two. One I thought of, but thought, mm, I don't know, because I don't like him. <laughs> and the other is actually quite a good one. Okay. So the one I, I thought of was Timothy Chalamet. That's, no, that's what I said. I thought it before you said it. Okay. I just didn't say it, because I'm like, eh. The one that I actually can see is Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Yeah, possibly. I don't think that's actually such a bad cast. He's a better age for the role, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I think it's also very hard because I don't know of any game where Link speaks. I don't know if he does. Is he mute? Yeah, I think he's... That could those... be a cool concept to bring to the to the <laughs> live. Like, Link never speaks. <laughs> but I will say, if the Ocarina of Time song is not in there... I am yeah, seeing. See, see, that's the thing as well. Like, there's there's so many different Zelda games that all take place within their own continuities and don't tie into each other. Like, which one do you go for? There is a video of the Zelda timeline, and it is the most complex thing I have ever witnessed. 
Well, I don't. Is there a timeline? I, my assumption was always that the games generally take place within their own universes, with some exceptions, like Tears of the Kingdom is a sequel to uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, and what is it? Uh, Majora's Mask is a sequel to Ocarina of Time. But I think apart from that, they generally take place completely separate from each other. It's very complicated, and there's a lot of intertwining things in them. Because obviously anything can kind of happen. You can change universes. A small child can wield a sword. That sort of thing. But I'd like it to kind of follow the Ocarina of Time universe more than anything, because I think they were my favourite games. Uh, Yeah, I I think they probably have the best concept. Yeah. Uh, But I, I wonder if they'll go with the Breath of the Wild slash Tears of the Kingdom universe. That's so popular. It's, it's been hugely popular. In fact, Tears of the Kingdom has just been nominated for Game of the Year. Maybe we should talk about that as well, actually. Game of the Year nominations. Uh, I saw them earlier. I can't remember all of them. Uh, let me think. Spider-Man 2 was on there. Baldur's Gate 3 was on there. Tears of the Kingdom. Resident Evil 4 remake was on there. Uh, Super and... Mario Brothers Wonder. Yep. And uh, Alan Wake 2. Did I get them all? Um, yeah, I think you got them all. Well done. Cool. Yeah, that is them all. You know, I missed any. So I've... I would like to see Baldur's Gate win it. Yeah, and I think there's a good chance it will, just because it is a, like, huge undertaking. It's not every year a game that huge and complex comes out. It's like, I think Baldur's Gate 3 and The Legend of Zelda are the only two games on there that have done something different. I know Breath of the Wild, but obviously Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate are the only two franchises on that list that have done something very different and new. I would be surprised if one of those two didn't win it, but my money would be on Baldur's Gate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my last piece of news okay, is a bit of tech news. Yeah. And so I saw... The video from so the company is called Humane, and I saw the video of them demoing this, and it is probably the biggest change that we've had in the last forty thousand years. Oh, okay, that's that's big talk. So it's a smartphone, kind yeah. of. It's a, it's Humane's AI pin. Yeah. So it's a little box that there's a load of different attachments. So there's a clip, there's magnetic strips that basically you just stick them on your clothes. If you've ever, have you watched the Orville? Yeah. That episode where they go to that planet and this is the up and down votes. Right. It's like a little pin there. It's got a camera in it. And the way you actually clip it to yourself is with a battery booster. And basically it is like having an AI in your pocket. You can text, message, you get unlimited calls, texts with the device on any SIM you put in it. It uses hand gestures to function so it can see your hand gestures. If you want your clock, it shines it on your hand. Uh, Your home screen's on your hand and you move your hand and your fingers to control it. I'm looking at it now. The device itself looks really ugly. I think it it is the biggest leap in modern technology, though. 
so on the video, he he basically says, send a message to this person saying this. And it says, this is your message. Is it okay to send? And he then goes, can you make me sound more excited? And it rewords it to how you ask. But also he held some almonds in his hand and went, how much protein's in this? And it uses the camera. It looks at it and tells you. It's hard to describe without showing the video, but there's not much that it can't do. It's like the most ver- most advanced version of AI I've ever seen. It uses a chat GPT, basically. It uses OpenAI to do it. So the, the AI itself is is what's already there. It's just building it into uh, a, a device that you attach to yourself. It's not got wake words either, so you're not going to be stood in the middle of the street going, hey, AI, and sounding like a weirdo. You, it does taps and hand movements to wake it and get it to do things. I feel like you're going to be accidentally activating it all the time. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, it looks cool. No, because the way he activates, so he, like, you have to, he, like, double taps and holds on the second tap. So it's like, it's like a movement that's very hard to replicate unless you're meaning to do it. You can also turn up, it has a transparency light. Yeah, for, for when it's listening and not for obviously your security and things like that, and I just think it look it looks amazing to have. It's seven hundred dollars. Yeah, which is cheaper than current smartphones. It's it's like a GoPro, a phone, an Alexa. If you use it as a phone, I guess you've got to connect it to a Bluetooth headset or something. No, so this is another thing. It is compatible with any Bluetooth headset. Yeah. But it has, so the way it does its audio is it directs it to you. So you would, it's just playing it from the device, but you are the only person that can hear that sound because of the way it's directing the sound. It's like a bubble, but you can then extend that bubble so other people can hear it. We'll see. We'll see. A lot of companies come out with, with you know, these big promises and it's one thing doing it in a tech demonstration it's another thing getting it to work in the real world yeah but i I don't think i've ever seen a tech demonstration work so smoothly and as stated and i think if everyone ended up getting one of these eventually it would just change how society works it is a society changing invention if it works I mean, I, I think the invention, the invention itself that is society changing is the AI that it is plugged into. So like I said, it's not using its own AI, it's using open AI, which is, you know, very, very yeah. intelligent. And... It learns from you and your preferences as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you say the, the reveal event went smoothly. I'm just looking on the independent page about it here. And during the reveal event... Uh, this is quoting directly from the article. During its reveal event, executive showed the pin being used to answer a question. I can use it to an- ask questions like, when is the next eclipse and where is the best place to see it? The yeah. representative said, explaining it would be answered by an AI browsing the web or grabbing knowledge from all over the internet. AI pin is then showed answering by saying the best place to view the next solar eclipse in April 2024 would be in Exmouth, Australia. But next year's solar eclipse will in fact be visible in North America and in fact has been given the name the Great North American Eclipse. It will not be visible at all in Australia 
and can only be seen in Mexico, the US and Canada. So even in its reveal event, it's getting information wrong. So like it, it, it's great it being able to, to search the web for information, but it is also a huge risk that this thing could be open to misinformation from the internet. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always going to be them things. Another thing it did in the event though, he got a colleague to come and straight away didn't say anything to the pin, didn't ask it to do something. The guy spoke Spanish to him and the AI pin translated it for the guy and he just spoke English and it translated it back into Spanish in that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's not cool. There's definitely, you know, potential there. It's just so I don't think there's anything like this on I, the market. I, I would, I'd just say, you know, don't, don't get overly carried away. I'm getting one. I'm sorry, but I am it. getting one. Not until you've seen it in the real world. Like you, you just can't say how well this is going to work. No, you can't. But that's what I mean. If it took off, it could be the biggest technological change. It could be. Not necessarily for the better. Who's to say? <laughs> two two guys from Yorkshire on a podcast. That's who. Damn right. Okay, so shall we talk about what we're actually here to talk about? Yes, let's talk about Loki. Season 2, Episode 6 of the Grand Finale. We were talking about this one Saturday when we went to see the Marvels. You used the words, the best thing that Marvel has ever done. No, I said I saw a content creator reviewer Yeah, that is normally fairly in line with us say... How can you release one of the best things that Marvel has ever done and the worst things on the same day, talking about the Loki and the Marvels, respectively? Yeah. Uh, but you, you, but, but you, I said it is up there and probably you, one of the best things. You said to me, because I hadn't seen it at that point, you said, once you've seen it, then tell me it's not one of the best things Marvel has ever done. Then it's not even the best episode of Loki Marvel have done. In fact... Oh, I, I disagree. This was one of the worst episodes of this series. Oh, I completely disagree. It had a good ending, and that was about it. For two-thirds of this episode, it was just spinning its wheels. It was wasting time, waiting to get to the ending it wanted to get to. I, I felt like nothing was happening for the majority of this episode. I was I was so because this is it's had a lot of hype online. I've seen a lot of people very excited about this episode. I think I'm in the minority here, but I really didn't like it. You know, it's probably good for the podcast, but I have never disagreed with you more. <laughs> I think this is the best episode of season one and two. No, no, hard disagree. There. there are so many things that I liked about this. Yes, there are still things that I'm like, mm, it dulled down a little bit at, at times. But I think just the concepts, like we was talking, I think last week I literally said, does this mean that he, this is like an addition to his superpowers now? Because if so, that makes him ridiculously powerful. Yeah. And he literally learns to control time. Yeah, it does, which I get you like, it looks cool and it's a cool moment, but how much sense does it actually make? I feel like from the scene with He Who Remains, it makes a lot of sense. Does it? It's like he basically orchestrated the time slipping. Yeah, to, to, but, it, but it doesn't make sense why. 
Like he he went, yeah, I did that, and you meant to go, yeah, okay, that's fine. Like, no, wait a minute, why? What? Why has it given him the ability to time slip, and not just time slip, but also to be able to to freeze time or rewind time, like just do whatever he wants with time? He basically has full control over time now. Because of the ending, it it the episode made it clear that he who remains, when he's talking about reincarnation as well, he knew what that whole scene was, and I think that was probably one of the best scenes in that whole thing with him and Sylvie fighting. And then, like, he turns around to hear remains and like, are you not going to do something? And just the dialogue in, in that whole bit is great. And the way that Loki's, Loki changes when he's like, who says it's the first time we've had this conversation? And you can see on he who remains face that he's actually impressed. And obviously, I know, because it's just a brief overview, but getting to the end, he who remains clearly wanted Loki to become the god of stories, I, I, which is essentially what he has become in Norse mythology. And no, that's, he's... So, so that's something that happens in the comics. He he decides he doesn't want to be the god of lies anymore. He wants to be the god of stories because what is a lie if not a story? Um, but that's that's not the impression I got. That that was he who remains plan all along. He who remains plan was. If Sylvie kills me, then Loki needs the ability to come back here and stop her killing me when he realizes how much that fucks up. So fine, that explains why he would allow him time slipping powers, why he would give him those powers. But what the whole like freezing time and all like that. But what does well, no, because the time slipping but it he's got him he's given him control in, in time essentially. Like, all the extras are kind of just a package deal. Like, he can learn to do that. But I feel, I feel like he who remains end goal, his main goal is to stop the multiversal war again. And Loki has done that. But we talk, they've talked about in so many episodes how it is just a circle and it's, it's, a, it's a robberous and time repeats itself. What Loki did is essentially he's watching over time, essentially. Yeah, and like I said, it, it had a cool ending, him deciding to do, like, it, it is an ending that makes sense, and also it is a a fitting end to, to that character. If that's the last we see of Loki in the MCU, then that works really well, because something that I've said through these last few weeks that I wanted Loki to be more like OG Loki that we got in Thor, that we got in Avengers and that Loki is a Loki who craved power and who craved a throne and he is now basically in charge of the entire multiverse whether anyone knows it or not it doesn't matter because he knows it that he is ultimately like king of reality at that point and so, like, I like that ending for him that he gets to, he gets the power that he's always craved, but he gets to do it for good. And the fact that he's essentially created uh, Yidrasil. Yes, yes, I liked that as well. It's crazy. I, I liked it. as soon as you saw it looking like a tree, I was like, oh shit, that's that's the world tree, that's Yidrasil. <laughs> yeah, but there's like there's just so much in this episode and. That is just so good. Like little bits like him saying to OB, like, how long would it take me to 
understand physics as much as you do. And he's like, too long. He's like, no, how long? And he, he literally uses his time slipping to learn everything he can. He uses this newly acquired superpower to essentially probably become the most powerful and smartest being in the galaxy. Galaxy? Universe. Multiverse. Whatever you want to call it. What about the Super Scroll? <laughs> no. One wave of Loki's hand that the Super Scroll never existed. He can't grow a big, big Drax arm, complete with tattoos. One way for his, his other arm, then Drax never existed. <laughs> but no, like I said, I like the ending. And it just felt like it felt like a, a lot of effort getting there. And it felt like they just used the time slipping to to, to, to fast forward through everything he needed to do to get there. I like it. It, it gave me Groundhog vibes. At first, I thought, oh, this is going to be quite entertaining with when he, he was basically just getting. Victor Timely to to go through again and again and again, and like he's just sacrificing this guy's life over and over and over, and letting him be spaghettified. It and it looked painful and horrible every time. Did you see the one the one where he gets spaghettified, where he you literally see like skeleton and organs? Yeah, and yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ! But then, like most of the episode was just him doing things over and over and over again, and then when it, it stopped being him doing things over and over and over again, it was exactly what I didn't like about the Series 1 finale, which was just a monologue from He Who Remains again. Like, oh, great, now we're back here. But that was the thing I liked about that. <laughs> I think He Who Remains dialogue is great. And the whole the fact that the first episode of Season 1 and the last episode of season two have the exact same title and the and the revisiting of the conversation around the glorious purpose. Yeah, no, I mean it did it did revisit that episode, but uh, that yeah that 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 scene. But I didn't feel like it did anything particularly interesting with it, apart from highlight how different Loki is now. I feel like that was the point. Maybe I don't know. I I didn't know if it was mainly to remind you about his uh, lust for power because it's easy to have forgotten watching this series that that's who he once was because he's so he's so changed as a character he's not the loki that we know from the uh, from the earlier mcu films i'd not noticed that this had the same title glorious purpose it's called isn't it i didn't realize yeah. that was the uh, season 1 episode 1 title which i guess plays into that idea of time loops and the, the marvel studios logo at the beginning of this episode was reversed so i guess that's that's trying to play into that idea as well yeah instead of seeing like the, the flicking illustrate comic book illustration and then zooming out of the marvel logo it starts on the marvel logo and then zooms in and then you see it flick through the illustrations but what is essentially done is he's broken the loop of time. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I, I get that. I get that. Like I, I I get what they were doing and I, I get where they were heading and I liked where they were heading and I liked the ending. I thought it was a good ending for the character. I thought it was a good ending for the show. I didn't think the rest of the episode was good. Like I was I was just waiting for them to like just just get to what you're trying to get to rather than just 
wasting time because that's what it felt like most of the episode was was just wasting time i didn't expect anything in this episode there was nothing like oh he's gonna go do this i expected some better answers i expected to do better answers about the time slipping rather than kang just going yep yeah, i did that i expected better answers or some answers i expected something about ob because there's things that just don't make sense with Obi's character, especially the fact that he can remember when other people can't. Like, I've never been able to get past that idea since episode one, that there's something more to that character, and then there just wasn't. Maybe I was just thinking about it more than the writers were. Maybe that was just an oversight on their part that he could remember. You know, they, they forgot that he was meant to forget. Or they didn't care, I don't know. But there's, um, and I think this is probably why they, maybe why they mentioned it. At the, at the very end, they mentioned there was a disturbance in 616. Yeah. And that was obviously in relation uh, in relation to Kang in Quantum Mania. Yeah. Obviously, the fact of the loomers and the pruning of the branches, it stops the Kang variants coming into existence. What Loki has done... He hasn't destroyed them, so the Kang variants are there, and we know that because obviously they're keeping an eye out for them. Yeah. Loki has single-handedly just created the Council of Kangs. Well, I mean, he's not probably not created them, but maybe allowed them to yeah. be created by destroying the, uh, the loom, which is what I said, I think, last episode. I said that the loom needs to be destroyed to give the the strands of time more space. Yeah. Um, but in, instead of giving them space, Loki turned them into a cloak. Yeah. Yeah, the, the visuals were really cool, and this does remain, like, the best-looking thing that Marvel have made for years. The outfit is great. I do love it. It's very... I don't know the word. It's a very minimalistic, but clearly Loki. It's very Loki, is what yeah. I think, because Loki hasn't looked like Loki. Like, he's been wearing a bloody suit and tie. Like, I was so happy that he got his horns back. <laughs> I mean, is there anything specific you want to talk about in this episode? Because I feel like, well, until the end, I feel like nothing happened. I feel I'd not got much to talk about because nothing was there. I was, I was so disappointed by this episode. Because of how much I'd enjoyed the last two as well. Episodes four and five, to me, were brilliant. And so I had high hopes for this episode, that they were going to end it well. And I guess like, I guess they did end it well, but it just, yeah, it just dragged for me most of this episode. Through most of this episode, I wouldn't say bored, but just I was impatient because it just felt like nothing was happening and it, it, nothing was getting anywhere. I, f I think the whole Loki and Sylvie scene and every time she's killing him and in the background you just hear he who remains see, say see you soon and just over and over again and he's trying every time to do it was great. And then obviously he goes back to talk to Sylvie and be like to try and he, he talks to Mobius first in that and then he goes and speaks to Sylvie and it's like he kind of knows what he, he 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 knows his options but he doesn't know what to do and speaking to those two characters which are clearly 
the characters that he's closest to give him that answer. Obviously, the whole thing about obviously found out Mobius was a hunter and he hesitated on pruning a child. It gives Mobius as a character so much depth in who he is and his relationship with Renslayer and his the way he is about the TVA. I'd say I, I thought Renslayer was done so dirty in this series because she she had so little to do. She's a great character played by a great actress and was barely in this episode. Did did she have more than a scene? No, she got swallowed by the big cloud thing. If you can even really call it that. Uh she wasn't in the previous episode at all. I think I think it all in all she's been in maybe half of the episodes. And it did kind of feel like they didn't know what to do with her. I think at the end of the day she didn't really affect the the overall narrative. Um I think Sylvie as well. I think I feel like they didn't really know what to do with her. Going from being such a compelling character in series one, she just ends up turning up every now and again to berate Loki and whine at him. And uh, yeah, I just I feel like there was so much more that they could have done, uh, especially with those characters. Yeah, I think throughout the whole series, I think Sil, I, I did want more Sylvie. Hey, I didn't just want more Sylvie. I wanted Sylvie to be better used and better utilized. And the same with Renslayer. I mean, she had a really great moment in episode four, and that was about it. Like it, like I say, it, it didn't really go anywhere. Like she had this great, like she'd been slightly villainous all the way through, but she had this great villainous turn, and then just immediately gets pruned and forgotten about, and it is no issue. Like she, she's not. I feel like it to me. It makes links in with the fact that she's clearly not part she was never never a part of a big part of Kang's plan in a way like there's the whole he sent her away from there saying they've ruled together and then wipes the memory and it's just she's not she's just not a part of of the plan um, what did you think of there was like a, a little a little epilogue bit you've already touched on a bit so uh we see that the TVA now seems to be acting as a protector of the timelines, which is what I'd said earlier this series. I said it needed to repurpose Its objective needs to change. So it's now, yeah, it's acting as a protector of the timeline, and as part of that, they're just keeping an eye on uh, the Kang variants. And then we find that out that Mobius is leaving the TVA, which I thought, well, that makes sense, because he's going to go and look after his kids. But he's not. He's just going to go and, and stand across the road and watch them. That is that is the bit that I have an issue with. Because I, I thought he was going to go and like retake his place on the timeline. But I guess he gets there and there's already a Mobius there. And so, so what, what is he going to do? Just Is he just wandering around? Wandering around time and reality, I guess? That'll be the next spin-off now. In 2026, Owen Wilson hits Mobius. Wow. Wow. Does he say he wants to see the thing that they've been protecting? Yeah. There's a shot of Young Timely again. Yeah. And he he looks at his window, but nothing comes through this time. So is that just showing that he's he's not going to be a threat now? He's never going to get... Yeah, I think that's what it's saying, because obviously... 
it looks like Obi's rewritten the guide. Yeah. And it's just showing that with Ravona. Yeah, Renslayer. Yeah, she, without with her being sent there, and he he's just not getting that guide now because he he's with what Loki did, he wasn't needed eventually. Realistically, well, yeah. I think that's all that scene was showing is just yeah. So um, if there's a shot of Renslayer, I've already discussed. I was uh, disappointed with that at first. Like, so when she first looks up, the first thing she sees is the pyramid. And at first I thought, she's been sent back to ancient Egypt and this is going to tie into, because there's a variant of Kang from ancient Egypt, I thought, oh, she's going to team up with a different version of Kang. But then, no, she's uh, she's not, is she? She's in the, the place at the end of time where the pruning stick takes you, which makes sense. Yeah. I've got just a little paragraph here, just speaking on the whole Mobius bit. From Kevin Kevin Wright. Who's Kevin Wright? The executive producer on Loki. Okay. So Screen Screen Rant spoke with him and just in regards to that bit. And he, he said, Yeah, I think it is a it is happy in the sense that he is overcoming a personal obstacle and where he decides to go with that is a new story. I think we wanted to be keen not to feel like we were starting a new story at the end of our show. So that's it. Like, haha, now you got to watch whatever. I think we wanted it to feel like a closed completion, but leave our characters worlds with ways to go with other stories. Maybe he stays down there. Maybe all, all he needed to do was take a look at it. And now it's like, as he was saying to B15, I just need to know what we've been fighting for all this time. I think it is happy in the sense of he is listening to the conversations he had with Lo- he's had with Loki and he is taking heed and he's trying to overcome a personal obstacle and where he goes from it will be new growth in the way that Loki has had huge amount of growth over seasons where this lets Mobius go is new territory and that's cool. Obviously there's a lot of rumours about Deadpool 3 and the TVA being in Deadpool 3 which would make sense. Yeah, and the whole Kang variants and things like that. So I, I appreciate that they wanted it to feel closed. Yeah. And it does to me. Do you think this is the last we see of Loki? So I saw some quotes that basically Tom Hiddleston had basically said that is Loki done. Oh, yeah, I saw him say something like it's a culmination of, like, 14 years of work. And then I think I also saw some from the guys at Marvel saying they don't have any more plans for Loki. Yeah. And I'm happy with that. That, for me, is Loki's ending, and I'm okay with that. And I think that is the right thing to do. Yeah. I feel like this does kind of leave it open for Loki to maybe even appear as a villain again. Um, I mean, this could be the way that they write out Jonathan Majors if they need to. Kang's no longer the one in charge of the timelines. Now it's Loki. Yeah. Maybe Loki is going to be the person who, who sends everyone to Battleworld for Secret Wars. So, again... With Screenwright talking to Kevin Wright, they said, 
does this make Loki the god of the multiverse or the god of stories? And he said, uh, uh, no, and he laughed. I don't say this to be a jerk about it. I think we all really, the writers, the filmmakers, directors, have all kind of held hands and said, we believe our intentions are fully there on screen and there might be some decoding that has to be done and some close watching, but I think that we intend for people to take away from it is there on screen. And I think all of those things are points of reference. I think they are all building to something probably new and unique. But I would also say if you're a person, if you're the person at the end of time holding everything together, you probably on some level are a weaver of these store of those stories as well. I think that both can be true is as far as I can go with it. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, whatever their intentions are, that there's the possibility that Jonathan Majors needs writing out. And I think, you know, they, they've created this one show, but there are other people in charge of the larger narrative who could go, no, actually, Loki's going to be the person in charge of the multiverse now. Loki's going to reappear as a villain, which I, I think probably be the wrong thing to do after the character development that he's had in this show. But I, I just I feel like it's a possibility. Well, this is the comic books version of the Secret Wars storyline where Doctor Doom becomes God Emperor Doom. Yeah. To, and rules over the remainder of the multiverse from the actual Yggdrasil. So they've kind of allowed that to be a thing as well. There was rumours that Doctor Doom could replace Kang as the villain. And in creating Yggdrasil, that's from a comic book point of view, that's become a, become more plausible. So we could see Loki back for yeah. a, ca- a cameo against Doctor Doom. Do you all think this is going to be the last we see of Jonathan Majors in the MCU? I just think if if they need to, if 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 they do decide you know they're not going to use Jonathan Majors anymore, I feel like this gives them an excuse. And you'd be like, yeah, Loki took care of that, and the TVA's taking care of that, and we don't need to worry about that anymore. Yeah, it's it seems like they've set themselves up very well to go wherever they want to and take whichever direction they want to and need to. Yeah. Uh, but there we go. So that is that is the end of Loki. It's the end of this series. Do you want to rate it now? Like we normally rate films. Um, now that the series is done, what would you give it? Out of five what? spaghettis. <laughs> yeah, how many strands of spaghetti would you give it? I don't like doing five. I like ten. With five, I feel like five is it's not a five. Well, I'll tell you, you, you give but me... But it's not a four. You give me your rating and then I'll tell you how many it was out of. So, sorry to all the Italians, but I'd say four and a half spaghettis. Oh, that was out of 50,000, though, so that was not very good. (laughs) Out of five, four and a half spaghettis. Four and a half out of five? Yeah. I think you're mental. Eight out out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. Eight and three quarters out of ten. If we're doing out of ten, I'll give it six. Oof. Because I felt like it had some really good episodes, but I feel like they were outnumbered. It had two episodes that I really loved, and then the first episode I was a bit unsure on, and then there were a few episodes that I really didn't enjoy, 
and so yeah, I, I don't feel I can go. I can go higher than six. So it had three that I really enjoyed, two perfect episodes for me, and one that I could have done without. Okay, I feel, I feel like this is the biggest difference of opinion we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> Makes for great listing, folks. This could be irre- irreconcilable differences now. I feel like the podcast has ended in episode <laughs> 31. That's it, we're done. But I must have to say, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, you can email notnpod at gmail.com or message us on socials at News of the Nerd. Obviously, we really want you to get in touch and tell us what you thought of the episode. We've got very conflicting opinions. We'd like you to tell us who's right obviously it's me but (laughs) we want to hear your opinions obviously the best thing you can do for us though is subscribe rate on your podcast listening app of choice itunes is the best if you give us a rating on there it really gets us up there on the charts Um, and obviously the best thing you can do is just tell your friends tell your variants tell your spaghetti friends and obviously henry cavill's mum because she's blocked me on everything. <laughs> but apart from that, it has been a much more enjoyable experience than Secret Invasion. So I'm going to go watch over the multiverse. That's goodbye from me. Yeah, and I need to go and turn into spaghetti. <laughs>